We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So, uh, happy almost Pesach. Um, hey, Rabbi, are you wearing a blue tie for the for the party in the waters? Sure. <laughs> um, so, uh, so first, uh, we, we, we can't, uh, begin our, uh, our seum, our, our, our learning without, uh, acknowledging, uh, the Kalman family, uh, Willa's not here, uh, but, uh, we miss her and want to, uh, uh, thank you and thank, uh, Willa for, uh, sponsoring, uh, today's, uh, breakfast, which we'll get to after a little bit of learning, uh, in honor of, uh, uh, your her late father. Fa- oh, I thought it was in honor of Malcolm. Well, it's Father Charlie Siegel started, he would bring little fruit and schnapps ah, okay. to the canter study, and then Dad instituted actual breakfast. Got it. Okay. All right. So it's it progresses. So to next year, so uh, it, in the next generation, we'll have to also add lunch to the menu. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, but y'all have for lunch. Um, but, uh, but we, we thank you, uh, your entire family for your, uh, for your generosity. And we pray that, uh, uh, that, that, uh, those, uh, 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 beloved departed loved ones, uh, are, uh, remembered, uh, for a blessing today and, and every day, uh, as we enter into, uh, this Pesach holiday. So thank you. And it's a, it's a joy to, uh, be with you and, uh, to be able to learn a little bit with you and to, in a few moments, uh, eat with you. Um, so, uh, this year. Uh, I, uh, Robert Carter is going to laugh at me because it's kind of a cop-out thing, but I studied Pirkei Avot, which is a, a tractate of Mishnah, um, and, uh, some, which, uh, some of you uh, may be familiar with, um, and, uh, part of the reason I did that, um, is that short? Uh, another reason that I did that is because uh, the conservative movement uh, just came out with this uh, beautiful brand new edition of Pirkei Avot uh, in the same series as our prayer book. So we, a few years ago, uh, transitioned on the High Holy Days to the Machzor Lev Shalem, which is the beige book that we use in the High Holy Days. Uh, last year, or sometime thereabouts, uh, two years ago now, I think, we switched uh, to the uh, Sidur Lev Shalem, which was uh, new at the time, uh, the uh, prayer book in, in the series. Uh, and now they've come out with a uh, with a soul of all. In the Sidur Lev Shalem is a... Um, is uh, Wait, pi- we hold that up again? Is that the new Pirkei Avot? Yes. Oh, cool. Uh, so, in the Sidor Lev Shalem is uh, Pirkei Avot, as, as often happens in um, Shabbat prayer books, Pirkei Avot is uh, included because it's customary at some times of the year to study Pirkei Avot on Shabbat afternoon. Uh, and so, in the in the old Sim Shalom, it's in there. I'll turn to it in a second. If you have it in your seat pockets, you can even, uh, learn with me. Uh, uh, in the actual text, um, 
So in the in the old Sim uh, Shalom Sidors, Pirkei Avot begins on page two fifty seven. Uh, we're actually going to be looking at uh, a Mishnah on page uh, two seventy four. Page two seventy four. So in the new Sidor Lev Shalem, uh, their Pirkei Avot is printed with uh, with. Commentaries by two of the, I think, really great conservative rabbis of our era, one uh, American and one Israeli. Uh, the American is a rabbi by the name of Gordon Tucker, who also has, uh, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, a doctorate in Jewish philosophy, um, is, uh, is really a, uh, um, considered by, uh, by those of us in the conservative rabbinate, um, a, a gadol hador, if you will, a sort of giant of the generation. Um, he's, uh, I think, uh, most famous uh, recently uh, for, uh, for authoring um, a really powerful, although ultimately um, unadopted, uh, tshuva responsum on, uh, on homosexuality uh, and on uh, the imperative for uh, halachic change within uh, the conservative understanding of Judaism. Um, and uh, I believe you can still read that paper. I think it's on the Rabbinical Assembly's website. Um, it's a really extraordinary piece. But he's the uh, he's uh, retiring, I believe now. But he, for a long time, was a rabbi of uh, the uh, Temple Israel Center in White Plains, New York, um, and also on the faculty of the Jewish Theological Seminary. Uh, the uh, Israeli author, who uh, uh, the Israeli rabbi rather, who who authored a. Uh, Commentary, uh, companion commentary, is Rabbi Tamar Elad Applebaum, uh, who is an extraordinary rabbi uh, on the younger side, so different generation than uh, Rabbi Tucker, but uh, I would say, in, in my view, Gdolat uh, uh, Hador in her own right. Um, she is the uh, founding, she was uh, for a time uh, the dean of the Schechter Institute in Jerusalem, uh, which is uh, the uh, training academy for uh, Israeli conservative rabbis, and uh, now she, uh, her day job more or less is uh, as the founding rabbi of a an, a, an incredible uh, uh, community in uh, Jerusalem called uh, Kilat Sion, uh, the Sion uh, community, uh, where she's um, developed um, what she calls uh, Nusach Eretz Yisraeli, um, a, a sort of indigenous. Um, uh, 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 Israeli approach to Judaism that blends all of the different ethnic Jewish cultures that are in Israel with um, with the ethos of the conservative movement of egalitarianism uh, and uh, and a sort of modern feel. Um, if you're ever in Jerusalem um, on a Friday evening, um, I commend you to check out uh, Kilat Sion. The last I was there, they met in a uh, community center in the Baca neighborhood of Jerusalem. Uh, they meet every Friday night, uh, and, uh, if, uh, and, and I think once or twice a month on Shabbat mornings as well. So if, you're, if you haven't been there on Shabbat morning, you can potentially check them out. Maybe we'll go there this uh, this summer um, if, uh, if if people are amenable to it. One thing you need to know when you go there, because uh, her her thing is developing a, uh, a, a an Eretz Yisraeli nusach, an Eretz Yisraeli approach to davening. All the davening is in Hebrew, right? So um, that's 
true in a lot of places you go in, in Israel, um, but oftentimes Americans, when they go to Israel, if they go to shul, they want to go to a place where, where they, uh, where there'll be a little bit of English or, you know, uh, at least like they'll call page numbers sometimes in English, things like that, but you won't get that at Sion. Uh, but you will get a uh, profound and uniquely Israeli uh, experience. It's a really incredible community that's also involved in a lot of social justice work in, in Israel as well. Um, so uh, they just came out with this new volume of Pirkei Avot that uh, has full commentaries by uh, Rabbi Tucker and Rabbi Elad Applebaum. Um, and uh, you should own it and study it. Their commentaries are unbelievable. Um, and I'll share with you uh, probably some of them uh, this morning. So I wanted us to look at Pirkei uh, Avot, uh, chapter 5, mission number 12. Um, and uh, the, the reason that I wanted to study this one in particular, I, I was thinking about this one uh, uh, as I was uh, reflecting on, uh, on, on Pesach and on the Seder in particular, um, some of you have, uh, know that uh, uh, over the, uh, for the past five years now, uh, for every day leading up to Pesach and the 30 days between Pesach and uh, Purim, between Purim and Pesach, um, I've been uh, writing uh, little, um, little kavanot, a little kind of like mini um, uh, Divrei Torah about uh, about uh, Pesach or about the Seder, about the holiday, about the about the Exodus story, called the Thirty Days of Liberation. And so I've been thinking a lot about Pesach over the past thirty days. Um, and uh, and as I approached the last day, I wanted to think about like what is the what are really some of the overarching themes of the holiday and of the Seder. And I thought about um, something that we say uh, when we. Um, when we first uh, do bedikat chametz, so we say a blessing to search for the chametz in our house, when we find that all that chametz, we recite a, 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 a little declaration, um, which then again we recite, we'll recite this morning when we burn the chametz. So the de- declaration is kol chamira vechamia zeika birushuti leave till, uh, uh, um, uh, so any, uh, chametz, uh, or bread that, or, or things that uh, have leaven that I have in my possession, um, whether I have found them or not, or, or, uh, whether I know of them or not, uh, leave till the have ke afra de ara. Uh, they should be nullified and should be, uh, the have hefker ke afra de ara. They should be ownerless, uh, considered ownerless as the dust of the earth. Just think about that idea of ownerlessness that we're uh, uh, expected to, uh, to to declare over our chametz on Pesach, right? And think about that for a second. That any chametz that you own, that you happen to still have in your possession, the stuff that's in my refrigerator that's blocked off or in my closet that's blocked off, is is ownerless, right? Or if you want, maybe it's not ownerless. Maybe uh, maybe I've sold it to somebody else, right? So it's not mine anymore. It might be in my possession, but it's not mine anymore. I might have it in my house, but it doesn't belong to me. Um, I was thinking a lot about that idea, about that ownerlessness of, of chametz. I was thinking about it uh, also in what uh, some strands of our tradition uh, say about the notion of chametz in general, why we're supposed to be rid of it uh, on Pesach. Uh, and that chametz, uh, the process of leavening, is, is almost symbolic of the ego. 
that uh, that it's uh, that it that it symbolizes how we kind of are self-inflated, have a sense of self-importance, right? We we we're concerned about ourselves, and we barricade ourselves off through our ego to the rest of the world. And chametz kind of strips off that pretense of self-importance and self-inflation, and it's just the essence of the thing. There's really no there's no barrier between chametz and the world. Uh, there there's just the 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 bread the the wheat and water coming in contact with the heat and air, right? And um, and I think that that plays into this idea also of of ownerlessness, right? Of uh, of of things that might be in my possession, but I don't really they aren't exactly my property in a in an ultimate sense, right? If if my ego is out of it, if there's not really something separating me and other people, then uh, then then. Uh, uh, then there, there isn't really what I have and what you have, right? There's just what is. So we have those aspects of getting ready for Pesach, and then tonight when we begin the Seder, what's one of the first things that we say in the Seder? Kol dichvin right? Any, let all who are hungry come and eat. Right? We open the door. So that if someone were passing by the street and they didn't have a hot meal, theoretically, you should let them walk through your door, sit down at your Seder table, and eat your food. At the very least, it's reminding us that this is the value that we espouse. Let all who are hungry come and eat. Later in the Seder, so that's the beginning of the Seder, later in the Seder, we open the door for Eliyahu Anavi. We open the door again for wayfarers to come in and to take part in our Seder. And then in the midst of the Seder, we tell the story of the Exodus. And the story of the Exodus, I think, also uh, evokes this same idea of, of, uh, of the sharing of property, um, of considering ourselves not as the exclusive owners of, a, of, of an item or an object, um, but rather uh, to see God's place in the universe in relation to ours, and uh, and and what that means in terms of what we have, and what we own, and how we relate to each other. Um, so Pharaoh, for example, is a model in the story of someone who considers himself owner, right? And he's the villain of the story, right? Um, the Israelites he considers are his property, but we know, of course, they are not his property, right? Everything belongs to, the, uh, to God, the earth and all it contains. At the end of the story, the Israelites borrow from the Egyptians gold and silver, right? Um, there's this sense in the story that the, the ethic we're moving toward is a place where, yes, we might have things in our possession. There, there might be things that we can consider to be uh, ours, uh, but in an ultimate sense, they are not really, and so we should relate to them through that prism, that we should be willing to offer what we have to all who are in need. So I was thinking about that as I was as I was also studying Pirkei Avot, and then uh, this Mishnah uh, struck me. So it reads like this: Arba midot v'adam. There are people fall into four categories based on their dispositions. Haomer shali shali v'shalach shalach zomida beronit v'yishomim zomidat stone. The one who says, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is yours. This is the disposition of a middling individual. But some say, it is the disposition of the people of Sodom. Shali shalach v'shalach shali am ha'aretz. 
The one who says what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine is an ignoramus. Sheli shalach v'shalach shalach chasid. The person who says that what's mine is yours and what's yours is also yours, that is a pious individual. Shalach shali v'shali shali. And the person who says what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine, that is a wicked individual. So we have four dispositions among people, and they all have to do with how they relate to their property and other people's property. Okay? The middle position, which is the first one offered, is the person who says that what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. Both Rabbi Tucker and Rabbi uh, Elad Applebaum point out in their commentary that were we to uh, just kind of encounter that notion that we're saying like what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours, we actually might say like like if only society worked that way, where people said to themselves, you know, I'm not going to take things from you, I'm going to be happy with what I have, you enjoy what you have, I enjoy what I have, that's, that's sort of the middle quality, that's average, right? And we might say average, like, you know, there are plenty of people in our world who want to take from other people. So maybe it's, you know, so maybe it's actually a, a high bar. But then the Mishnah comes in and undercuts that idea entirely and says, actually, there are those that say that that's the, that's the disposition of the people of Sodom. What do we know about the people of Sodom? Where do we encounter the people of Sodom? Yeah, good. Okay, the book of Genesis. What? They get roasted. They get roasted. Good, like a paschal lamp. They get roasted, right? Um, what? So why did they get roasted? Because they were evil. They helped the poor in their midst. Good. Well, so uh, Chazan says they were evil. We don't know exactly, actually, why they get roasted, other than that they're evil. But the rabbinic tradition uh, tries to understand what it is that these people did that was so bad that, uh, that, that, that incurred that kind of punishment. And so here is a fascinating thing. This, this disposition that is initially introduced as, this is kind of the average disposition, the rabbis say that that's actually what the people of Sodom were like, and that's actually why Sodom was so depraved that it had to get destroyed. Because think about what that means for a second when people... Uh, relates to their property and other others' property as what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours. Rabbi uh, Applebaum uh, says it says it beautifully. Uh, she says one might take this as a neutral outlook in which everyone has their own property and everyone recognizes what belongs to someone else. Some will surely find this to be ideal, but the Mishnah asks us to delve more deeply. Such a world is a place of apathy and indifference, a world that does not ask about what others have. Do my neighbors have what they need? Can they survive? And what if they have nothing? Moreover, do I have more than what I need? And if so, then what? The first personality type described in our Mishnah thus bespeaks a world in which a thin patina of order masks panic. Sodom in our world is the place in which disasters, economic and otherwise, do not undermine the present order. One has what one has, even if others face ruin. In other words, it's a, the characteristic of Sodom because it, uh, it, it denies the possibility that what others have is not enough for them, or what I have is actually too much for me. So the ideal is a society in which there is some amount, forgive the crass word here, some amount of redistribution, right? That people with a lot take care of those who have less. And who don't, people with a lot don't relate to their property as this is mine, it doesn't belong to you. 
In fact, people ought to relate to their property more like the pious person who says, what is mine is yours, and what is yours is also yours. Why is that the pious person? Why is that a, the virtue of a pious person? Why is it generous? But could it be too generous? Because then you're uh, taking away what you need to get by to give to other people. And um, back to your other, the, the first thing you were talking about, at its face, like you, like uh, like uh, the rabbi points out, that it seems like a good idea if everybody's on an equal footing. Right. Then what I've got is fine, and what you got, that's fine. But you know, that's not the way the world is. Yeah. And it seems like what's what's underlying um, Rabbi Applebaum's comments is just the idea that <coughs> if you go by what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours, you don't care <laughs> about um, just all the things that you said, um, you know, whether um, your neighbor has enough, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you go by what's mine is yours and what's yours is yours, then you're saying, I care. And if you need, I have. So it seems like that's, that is sort of what's underlying this is, you know, okay, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it's not just property, that, that even the idea of property ownership can be ethical and, you know, have that, that care and concern for others should underlie how you approach that. Right. And also without, without expecting anything in return. Right. So I, I offer what I have to you, but I don't really care if you pay me back. Right. I don't, I don't need, it's not a trade, right. It's, it's generosity. It's a, I think someone said altruism is generosity. Right. So when we say at the Seder, and the wayfarer comes in off the street, we don't say to him, okay, but did you, did you bring, you know, 20 bucks to pay for the Seder meal? Right. Or did you bring your, you know, did you bring a brisket because we don't have enough to give you, right? No, it's let all who are hungry come and eat, even if they aren't bringing anything to the table themselves, right? So now it's, it's noted as the trait of the, of the saintly, right? Or of the pious, because that's a hard ideal to reach, right? It's, you know, uh, it, people often question whether anything is, uh, any act of kindness or generosity is ever done, uh, in, in a truly altruistic fashion. Usually we get some benefit from it. Uh, but, uh, but nevertheless, the mission is holding that out as the ideal to strive for, to say that, uh, that, that we're going to, um, consider at least the, um, at least the impression of owned property, right? In other words, what's yours is yours. I don't have a right to what you have, right? But I can, can, I can think of my own property as something that other people have a right to in addition to me. So I can't control what other people do, right? But I can control how I relate to what I have and how, what I'm going to do with it, right? And so what, what we have control over is saying that, yes, okay, I have these things in my possession, but ultimately they don't belong to me. I would say that, that the, the, um, the implication of this mission is ultimately they belong to God, which means that I have a responsibility to treat them that way to uh, enable other people to benefit from what I have as well. Um, and I love the, the, the opposite of that, of course, is the, is the wicked person, right? Who says, what's yours is mine and mine is mine, right? In other words, so I get to keep what I have and also I'm going to take everything that you have. Right um, now, the law of eminent domain. Well, yeah, so right, so the, the rabbis are sometimes very uh, 
uh, how do you how do you put it? Very uh, subversive like that. They may very well be talking about uh, Rome or the government, right? Yeah. The government. The government reserves the right to make a, to purchase your land. It does not reserve the right to to seize your land. I also think that we need to engage with the Amharats here. Yeah. Because we haven't yet. And yeah. If we if if everything belongs to God, maybe we should be following the simple man and saying property is an illusion. Right. And. <laughs> What's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine, and it's all. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, so, uh, so what's wrong with that? Why is it? Uh, why is that the ignoramus position? Why is that? <laughs> I'm, a- I'm asking you. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think that it. I, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I understand that Ahar is often understood to be an ignoramus, but I'm not sure that we should be. I think that 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 perhaps. That it's coming from a place of, I mean, if we if we think of it truly as a man of the land, if we think of it as an agricultural position, then they don't have much. So they perhaps derive benef- more benefit from that than others. It's also the case that if you that in a in many kinds of large scale labor, if you don't have a full communitarian system, you can't get your work done. You've got a labor of independent of interdependence. That means that that the first trait is completely unfeasible, and the second trait leads you, and the third trait leads you to start. Right. So uh, I, I guess there's a few things. I mean, the first is that uh, when when rabbinic literature uses the phrase amha aretz. Um, they, they usually don't mean literally a person of the land. I mean, it might also be that, but an Amhar is somebody who doesn't know anything, right? Um, so, uh, so here's what uh, Rabbi Elad Appelbaum says about that. He said, she says, um, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. That is to deny the concept of ownership altogether. That too is derided as the approach of an ignoramus. The sage's critique here is astute. We cannot allow ourselves to be naive about the question of ownership in the world. The simpleton dreams of a world without private property at all, but since such an outlook is generally at odds with human nature, this approach effectively signals the abandonment of humanity, because by effacing the line between one's, one person's property and another's, it suggests that people can avoid responsibility for their own property entirely. But in fact, people must assume responsibility for what they own. So there's, I think, a few pieces of it. The first is that um, that, that position ignores human nature, right? So it it's different than the trait of the pious because the pious says, I'm going to be perfectly willing to give you what I have, but I don't expect anything in return because I recognize that that's not how most people relate to their property, right? But the ignoramus says, um, I'm going to give you what I have. My expectation is you're going to be, you're going to reciprocate, but most people don't live like that. So it's not a smart position. It's not a smart way to live in the world because it assumes something about humanity that doesn't exist. Right? So I don't think that this Mishnah is saying uh, that there's no such thing as private property. I think it's saying that in, a, in an ultimate sense, there's no such thing as private property. In a real lived sense, there is. So this is all about how we relate to our own property right? and how we relate to the idea of ownership in general. 
the pious position, as opposed to the ignoramus, the pious position says, there is such thing as ownership, or at least I'm going to uh, acknowledge your right to see your things as yours. I'm just not going to relate to my things that way, because I have control over what my, how I see my things. I don't have control over how you see your things. So I think that's why it's, you know, it's not only a pious person. I think it's, it, you know, they could have said, this is the position of the wise person, um, because the, uh, the wise person recognizes uh, something uh, intrinsic about uh, human nature that the ignoramus uh, doesn't doesn't realize. Now, ultimately, what both uh, Rabbi Tucker and Rabbi Elad Applebaum point out about this is that um, uh, is that if you read the first position as the uh, as the trait of the sodomites. Uh, then there isn't actually a position here that's given for like how the average person should uh, should uh, relate to each other and to property. So it's one thing to to just sort of uh, uh, consider and, uh, and and meditate upon is okay if I, if if I strive for saintliness but don't quite get there. What's what's the next rung down? Uh, I'm not sure the answer to that question, and maybe we could talk about it over breakfast. Uh, but uh, but for now, um, I just want to commend to you this edition of Pirkei Avot. You can buy it now; it's hot off the presses. Um, uh, I don't make a kickback from it. I just think it's a really good resource to uh, to learn from and to study. Uh, and uh, we'll conclude with uh, a uh, blessing for uh, for the seal. <clears throat> We shall return to you as uh, uh, tractate avot as uh, tractate avot shall return to us. We shall keep tractate avot in mind as tractate avot keeps us in mind. We may we become part of tractate avot as tractate avot has become a part of us. Both in this world and in the world to come. May be your will, Adonai, our God and God of our ancestors, that your instruction be our occupation all our days. May the words of Torah, Adonai, our God, be sweet in our mouths and the mouths of all your people, so that we, our children, and all the children of the house of Israel, may come to love you and study your Torah. More than my adversaries, your laws have sharpened me, for they are always with me. May the fulfillment I find in your law keep me from despondency. May I never forget your commands, for they grant me life. Praised are you, Adonai, who teaches me your laws. Amen, amen, amen. Anu <laughs> 
והם רצים לבאר שחת, שנאמר, ועתה אלוהים תורידם לבאר שחת, אנשי דמים ומרמה, לא יחצו ימיהם, ואני אבטח בך. We are grateful to you, Adonai, our God and God of our ancestors, for you have granted our portion among those who frequent the Beit Midrash, and not those who sit idle. We arise early, and they arise early, but we can anticipate words of Torah, whereas they wake up to no more than emptiness. We labor, and they labor, but in our labor we derive satisfaction, whereas their labor brings only constant longing. We run, and they run, but we run to an encounter with eternity, whereas they run to the pit of the abyss. As it is written, for you, God, will bring them down to the nethermost pit, whose murderous, treacherous souls they shall not live out, even half their days, but I trust in you. שלא תמוש לתורה מפי ומפי זרעי, וזרע וזרעי עד עולם, ותתקיים בי בהלכתך, תנחה אותך בשוכבך, תשמור עליך, והקיצותה היא תשיחך, כי בי ירבו ימיך, ויוסיפו לך שנות חיים, אורך ימים בימינה, אושר וכבוד בשמאלה. May it be your will, Adonai, our God and God of our ancestors, that just as you have helped us conclude Mesechet Avot, so may you help us begin and complete other Mesechetot and holy books that we may learn and teach, observe, and do, and fulfill all the words of your Torah in love. By virtue of the Tanaim, or Amoraim, and Talmidei Chachamim, may, my children, may our children and, and we speak words of Torah forever. And so may the following verses of Scripture be fulfilled in us. When you walk, tradition will lead you. When you lie down, it will watch over you, and when you awake, it will walk with you. For the wisdom, for through wisdom your days will increase, and years be added to your life, and wisdom's right hand is length of days, and her left riches and honor. May God grant strength to the people. May God bestow upon God's people peace. Please rise. Yikadav yikadash shemei rabah. Yamadi hu atid li'chadita u'lechaya. Mitaya Asaka Yaton Lechai Alma Lemibne Karta Di Yerushalem Ule Shachlala Hechala Begava Le Meker Le Mekar Pachana Nuhraa Min Ara Le Laabata Pachana Di Shmayav Le Atre Viamlich Kucha Brihub Mahute Vikare Bechayhon of Yemechon Uchae de Hobet Israel Bagalavis Mankari Vimru Ame Yehe Shme Rab Mevora, <laughs> May the one who makes peace on high make peace for us, for all Israel, and for all humanity, and let us say, Amen. Amen.